Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on July the 3rd, 2016. Reality is never what it has made out to be, is it? It never is. Those who make it out to be reality are the ones who bombard you daily as to what you're supposed to believe, you see. And of course, you're trained from birth to be trusting. You can't live in a paranoid society if you're paranoid at birth about everything around you, because after all, uh, it would, you'd turn so far inward, you would destroy yourself. So naturally, in any natural system, from the smallest tribe anywhere on the planet that's ever existed, you'd have to have a natural trust and those around you that initially take care of you, and then you help take care of them. That's how it really works. But in today's society, with incredible knowledge, from the past too, from studying empires and people, how, how they, lead, they led nations and, and dominated nations and other nations too with empires, they knew that in time, which they've had plenty of time to do, they could study the human mind perfectly. And today has never been a time when so much of your tax money has gone in to study your, you. You see how you operate and how to manipulate you without you ever realizing that you're being manipulated. And that's how tough it is today. A uh, long ago, in fact, we know uh, from little bits that crept out from the big globalists of the time, or the propagandists for the globalists at the time, like H.G. Wells and the Open Secret, things like that, uh, non-fictional works, that um, they would be able to manipulate so many people and that the plan that they had for the world could never fail. The vast majority of the public, they knew, they realized, didn't have a mind of their own. Uh, it was their training, their indoctrination, their education that gave them what they thought was reality. And so a different reality, of course, and it was very evident in, say, the 19th century. It's very, very evident in countries like Britain with a class system uh, that a different reality was given to the working class and another one for the middle class who had a little bit of... They wanted to be like the upper class, but, but they could never get up there because they were frowned upon by the ones who basically used them at the top. So it's quite interesting that so many works were done, even much, much earlier, in fact, on how this class structure worked, how it maintained itself, and, of course, with lots of works on the value of even basic education. Education doesn't mean you're being taught truth or reality. You're being given an indoctrination, that's another word for it, an indoctrination that's authorized by those who already own your country and own you, technically speaking, too. It's also old hat that if you're brought up in a TV era, you're far more easily controlled than in previous times. And even in the days of radio, before TV, you were far more easily controlled. Because if you can use more senses, natural senses that you would use in face-to-face conversations with people, the more, the more senses you can bring into play, uh, then the more real it must seem to be, as opposed to reading uh, articles in newspapers, you see. And newspapers, too, uh, even they flourished uh, from early times with 
drawings of events. And then in came the camera, and, uh, and, and they found ways to, to put the, 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 the photograph on paper, more realistic, and even that had more uh, import as well, you might say, because the whole idea is to get an impression across to people. If you study newspapers, for instance, you'll often see that the headline that portrays something is totally different from the story concerning the headline, and again, even more totally different from the, the photograph splashed on the page. You can have totally different meanings, depending if you, on, on what part catches your eye, uh, if you go on to the next part, which is the writing after the photograph, or not, things like that. And this is all done in, in a psychological fashion. Because it's awfully important that you believe what, you're, what they want you to believe, not what actually happens or what's being said, but, but what they want you to believe. That's what's important. Always, you see. Now, I've given out so many PDFs over years and, and names of books and so on, so much so in the thousands of broadcasts up there that there are people who've made their living writing books on on the stuff I've given out, in fact. So, remember, you can find so much at cuttingthroughmatrix.com through the archives to do with some of the topics I mentioned because everything I've mentioned in the past relates also to the present, always the same. When amazing revelations come out, whether it's in H.G. Wells's day or the present, to do with the near future, even the distant future, you can take it to the bank. And it's only bank that doesn't fail. Mind you, no bank really fails at the top because they're all owned by the same little clique. But you'll find that uh, uh, they tell you, they do tell you what they're going to do with you. And they can be awfully arrogant about it at times too, including those in academia that work for the big bosses of the planet. Who, are, who again are awfully, awfully um, snobbishness and the way they carry themselves around and the noses in the ears. I, I'm so clever that uh, I can't talk to you down there, you see. Because they think they're too or no, even though they themselves, as Julian Huxley said at UNESCO, and I read the speech on there that he gave, uh, he, he said that there are many helping us getting into this whole global society where all structured systems will be enforced by force, would you think? And, and uh, total, total control of everything uh, will be Sovietized and beyond the Sovietized type of system, you see. For your bread, for your station in life. The kind of Brave New World scenario mixed initially with, with uh, the George Orwell 1984 scenario. They both coexist at one time until the, the, the main goal, which is to basically, which is easily done actually today in the West, no doubt about it, the West before any other place, uh, because they had more work done up on it, on the brains of the folk, uh, they can certainly bring in a system where you won't have children at all. Most of them don't want them anyway, and uh, except the newcomers, they have them. But uh, the other ones were awfully good citizens. They didn't have the children. They went after the, the, the commercial stuff, the materialistic stuff, as um, Charles Galton Darwin advocated, and they end up, you know, just have, having pets and things like that. 
That's how the West has gone. So they brought off the good citizens, they brought the population down, and now they bring in other, other people who will have children in order to pay off the national debt. That's the excuse we're given, which is nonsense. Which is nonsense. The goal is to eradicate a lot of the people from the West, to be honest with you. And they themselves, they were, they, were, they were given the blame. All those who participated and joined the military or were called up or go to prison in major world wars, all those, uh, they're blamed by the people who helped bring the wars about, actually, and benefit off them too, and, and who bring in your globalist society. They blame the ordinary folk for going into the military, even though they could be put in prison or even shot at times for not doing what they were ordered to do by their nations. They blame the people of the West for the big world wars, the worst, the worst kind of wars we've ever had because of the technology involved, the massive death rates, etc. It really is pretty awful, isn't it? I mean, you can't deny it. It's terrible. But it's these same people who are unfortunately so easily brainwashed in the West uh, and do, go, do join up, we breed generations of folk who have no work and, and the whole thing awfully well worked out, this whole structurized system. And, and they go off and join the military to be somebody because they're nobody at the present, you see. It's generally the lower class, and they go off and fight the rest of the wars to bring the world under one system, as they themselves are basically dying off back home. So that's literally, and it's, it's, not my, it's not my idea of it, it's not my opinion of it, it's what the big boys basically planned a long time ago, and they talked about it in their big books, you see. So... There's no real speculation involved. It's the open secret, as H.G. Wells called it. Now, H.G. Wells, he hated the working classes because he was petrified of becoming one himself. That's why he hated them. It terrified him. He was brought up, you see, as the son of uh, a housekeeper in a big plush house in London. And he had a lot of protection. He was given a good schooling to an extent. Uh, by the people, the patrons of uh, the mother. And she was literally the housekeeper. She was maybe in charge of the house. I don't really know if she was a maid or what. But anyway, she was an employee. Uh, but every day, she and, like many other employees in these houses, upstairs, downstairs, would look out the window in the morning and they'd see all these people in working class clothes, maybe dirty and the whole thing, going or coming from their jobs, dirty jobs in the factories. And it scared the dickens out of them. In case, you see, they might end up there themselves one day. Even now, those people who are going to the factories might be technically, in some ways, a little better off financially. Not much. Uh, Those who worked in the houses. They certainly didn't have the hygienic conditions because they're all crammed into these overcrowded inner cities where the factories were all put up, in fact. And uh, uh, anyways, I said that I've done so many talks. I could go on and on about that alone, how they even got the workers off the land into the cities. And that was all structured and passed by law to dump foreign food and so on across Britain at dirt cheap prices for so many years until there was nobody left in there basically on the, to, to have farms. And they came in to work the, 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 the big uh, factories that were set up. It was the Rothschild, Lord Rothschild, who put the law forward, uh, called the Corn Laws, 
and basically that allowed the foreign imports to be dumped there at dirt cheap prices. He made sure that happened because he undercut everybody. He bought it all in bulk, undercut basically the nation, and these folk and their families had to move into these disgusting conditions as they died off because it didn't last that long working 12 to 16 hour days. Generally it was 16 hour days. And, uh, and that's how the system has worked, you see. It's always planned that way and coerced that way. So much so, in fact, that when World War I broke out and then two, uh, the rationing was so severe in Britain. I mean, they had a lot of folk dying of literally malnutrition. That's all kept quiet even to this day. Uh, with the heavy rationing they had because there were so few people, so few farmers left. That's, that's, a, that's a fact, folks, that most folk don't understand. And most of their food was imported from abroad. So when the embargo went on Britain, but with, the, with the basically Germany putting submarines around the coast and sinking ships that were bringing in grains and food and meat, in fact, and canned meat and all the rest of it, fruit, etc., into Britain, um, it, it got really bad for those still living in Britain. But it doesn't matter that the folk in Britain were, were put down as as bad as the Germans by, the, by another group, of course, that ran a lot of the things that were going on. And they wanted them eliminated because when they did go to war, they would be utterly ruthless. They would fight the wars. They'd keep joining up as they died off. More and more would join up until they won the wars, and therefore they had to be eradicated. That's basically it. And the rest of it you can find out for yourselves if you, if you dare, if you dare. But anyway, as I say, H.G. Wells said that the open conspiracy, that everything's out, out in the open. Uh, it's just that most folk won't find them because the major media, which he uh, helped you know, on an occasion, uh, was in total control even then of the thoughts that you would have as an ordinary citizen, you see. And, um, and that's how it really worked. Those who worked for, for governments, and there was lots of civil servants in Britain at that time, uh, the, the old remnants of the empire too, and so you had stacks and stacks of civil servants and foreign divisions and domestic divisions, but they all knew what was going on, and what was going on was never what the media reported to the general public, uh, and nothing's changed to this day except that Britain doesn't have the, uh, the, 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 the so many silver servants as it used to have. Uh, they're getting up there again, mind you, with uh, the globalization, etc., and they have been for a long time, because the, the group that, that helped, that wanted globalization in the first place, total domination, already owned Britain at that time. And since Britain had their empire, then Britain would be used primarily to bring this empire about. Eventually it was handed off to the U.S., and that's why they allow Britain at the moment uh, to, to, to go through this kind of fake exit thing because it sounds wonderful, but they won't just hand it over to them, as you well know. They say it's so intricate and so heavily involved, yada, 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 and so many treaties, etc., uh, that it would take years to undo it all, and this is how they're going to play the game. And already you see the, 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 the Sovietized type of globalist types uh, and, the, and their puppets, lots of puppets that they have, in fact, trying to make it hard for Britain, just like spoiled children at school that turn on somebody that won't go along with something. It's the same technique, but they are very primitive at the bottom, aren't they? I'm talking about what you think are the leaders, political leaders. They're very, very childish and primitive, but they're not the real leaders at all. 
And uh, it, it is very sad uh, that all this supposed, supposed evolution of humanity, and I call it very supposed, it's, it's, you know, we live in nothing but theories today that are, that are taught as fact, uh, which are awfully handy when certain folk will always benefit from them, uh, just like global warming. Uh, so, you, But you find that uh, we do live in such fantasy that it is astonishing. It really is astonishing to me. Don't let it eat you up if you do catch on. Don't let yourself get eaten up by it, because it can do that. And you have to learn to often, on a daily event most of the time, just doing basic chores and going to a store for this or whatever, to, to, to listen to normal conversation of what's normal people. And you accept the normal person watches X amount of TV every day, so much TV news they still get. They watch their, their, their sitcoms and, and whatever they're into at that time, and, and they get overloaded too with indoctrination in, in, in that method. And everything else, even the Internet, is totally controlled as well. Remember, you're living in full-spectrum dominance. That's what the U.S. military calls it, or those who control the U.S. military, up at the top, the intelligentsia type of thing. And they mean that everything is controlled. Everything is. So you have to understand you, you've got to, you, you can, you take everything you hear or see happen, you must take it all with a pinch of salt. Because it's always it's so devious today that uh, you have to unravel the, the different chess pieces, you see, and, and where they've been placed and how the game is played. You're going to unravel it to find out where you're supposed to be really going and what you're supposed to think as opposed to what you do think, you see. Now, in full-spectrum dominance, you, it doesn't matter what you look up on a particular story, you'll find the same... Th- it's not just a theme anymore. you find often the same verbatim phrases used over and over, repetition of the same phrases. When you hear the same phrases being used to explain something on such a huge scale often, uh, then you know it's all been rigged that way for their own benefit to make sure that you're indoctrinated, you see, and you'll start parting it too. It works awfully well with the general populace, you see. The populace, they, they, they don't think they're being played, you see, for a sucker. They think it's truth. And they naturally, quite honestly and trustingly, will repeat it, you see. Why should anyone be lying to them? They're free. They're told they're free, like Bertrand Russell said, and they, live, they all live, no matter where they are, in the greatest country in the world, in the freest country in the world, like Bertrand Russell said. And you'll keep believing that because your government keeps telling you that. So why should you disbelieve it, you see? There's no one out there in any major media, and I mean any, in any, any form that doesn't have a spin on something and intentions behind it. doesn't happen. Now, tonight I want to rattle through a bunch of things. I'll say a lot more, but um, push for time here. You probably know uh, in the U.S. and elsewhere that uh, President Obama has been up in Canada recently. And there's an article here. The U.S. president addressed the Canadian lawmakers during the North American Leaders' Summit. You see? 
and says, in a scene unlikely to be replicated in a Congress anytime soon, members of the Canadian Parliament gave President Obama repeated standing ovations and chanted four more years at the outgoing U.S. Commander-in-Chief Wednesday. You see? So if you think that politicians are open-minded and honest and they, they sit back and think about things, no, no they're, they, no, they're all paid awfully well, by the way, by the masters, you see. They're, in fact, they're paid extra not to think at all. And it's not difficult for many of them. Now, it says Obama was visiting Canada for the North American Leaders Summit between the U.S. President, Mexican President Enrique Pina Nieto, and Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. And says it was dubbed, that was dubbed at the Three Amigos and Dude Diplomacy, like, or oh, 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 they're very trendy and comical, like Dude Diplomacy. Uh, but they've called it that from the beginning. Each time they sign us deeper and deeper into the unification of the Americas, which is a part of the unification of uh, Europe and the unification of the Far East into the three big trading blocks into one. A plan that was at least discussed and published well over 100 years ago. And I've gone through all that too in past talks. Anyway... All they do is get together for their photo ops. All their little speeches are written for them, for the public. And um, and then they sign whatever's been drafted up for them to sign for deeper integration, financial, otherwise, and, and all the rest of it as well become one, you see. That's what it's for. That's what it's for. And I'll put that up uh, tonight. All these things that I mention, I put up the links for you to look up for yourself. I'm not making this stuff up. I'm just putting things in a certain order to tie things together for you. And it's awfully important because nobody else is going to do that for you, you see. And then you get this one here. Canada, the U.S. and Mexico Wednesday mounted a fierce defense of free trade. As you know, free trade isn't free trade. Because I'm going through how it's all written. It's very complicated, very in-depth. Free trade, whether it was the European Union or anywhere else, it's all the same group who drafted all up for them, you see. One group drafts the whole planet up right at the moment. And it's the same group who created the Bank for National Settlements, the big one, you see, the big boys, and uh, the IMF, they own that too. These are all private corporations which they own, and they own the UN, by the way, as well. (laughs) Anyway... So the defense of free trade, that means that the so-called richer countries pay the other countries to develop. Your tax money flows their way. You must import anything that the tax money builds in, in the other countries, these countries, you see. So in other words, you get free money going out, your money going out for the big international corporations, often which are based around the world, to put another factory or whatever it is in, the, 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 in this country's, uh, in this nation. And again, they've got free labor. It's a good deal for them. So they get, they get a factory built for them. They get free labor. And then they, they're allowed to sell, make stuff, and then import into your country uh, with no taxes at all. That's free trade. You simply buy their stuff. You, you sell nothing to them because you don't make anything anymore. And you, your money goes, flows towards them all the, all the time. That's what it's all about, folks. That's how it works. It's very simple. There's nothing complicated about it. See? And every politician is well aware of what I'm talking about. You see? 
Your factories all went to China. It was planned that way. You paid for them moving to China and any losses the corporation said they might incur on the way and setting up in China. And even for years, maybe for 15 years, you'd, you'd still pay for them for any losses they think they might have incurred as they built up their name again. That was free trade. And you're left with nothing back home except what they call a service economy. You service things that are imported when they bust down, uh, generally by taking them to the dump since you can't repair them. Now, that's, that's really what it is, you see. So they might have fierce defense of free trade, vowing to deepen economic ties. That means if one goes down one nation, you're all tied together to bail them out, the same as Europe, you see. That's why Britain ended up pulling out. And, and I'll tell you, it was mainly the working folk in Britain because they've been literally despised by the global leaders and tossed to the side and tossed on the, the, the economic rubbish bin, or the trash bin, basically. They've been, they've been put in the trash mountain. That's, that's literally... And so they, they voted to, to get out of Europe. They're sick of having their money flow into other countries to, for bailouts, 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 bail-ins, bailouts, etc., etc., etc. This is a global, I'm telling you, this is not something you have much of a say in because if you, if you had the ability and the power to pull out of these agreements and you're not part of a clique that's playing the public in some drama, some TV drama, uh, these characters would have no problem whatsoever in shutting you up permanently. When, when, a hundred odd years and generations of a clique have planned this. Do you think they're going to allow you to pull out? Huh? They used world wars in their own writings. They used world wars. The CFR and their own personal historian talk about it. They would need world wars to, make, to bring folk to their knees, to give up their nationalism, meaning the country you're born in, it's the only country that you have a say in because your politicians are closer to you. That's what it really means. But they've made it into a dirty, dirty word, you see. You see? And, um, and so that you can, you're not going to go back to that. There's no way you're going to go back to that. You see? Mm, no way. Because they want, they want a totally planned system, a totally planned world economy, and the true division of labor at birth, before birth, it'll be all planned. We need you, we don't need you. And if we need you, we're going to alter you so you don't complain too much. It's easy to do if we drop your IQ quite a few points. I'm not kidding. That's brave new world. So anyway, I'll put these, again, your brainwashing up for you. For you to, and, and just pick it apart Let's start picking it apart I'm going to spend all night picking it apart It would take way too long But let you think for yourselves hmm? And then uh, Again another one on uh, Climate deal caps North American leaders summit So again the big ruse Which is climate change Man-made climate change And they're called anthropological You see You know Call it just man-made, it's all sexist, isn't it? So, it's man-made anyway, regardless of their claiming. And it, technically it is, although I guess it is by man and woman, because I guess if they've got pilots up there spraying the skies, there's probably women up there too, you see. We have equal opportunity murderers working for governments, you know. Yep, 
That's how fair we can be. But anyway, a climate deal caps North American Leaders Summit. So she integrates, uh, they're going to take all your money off you again, uh, as to get you off the road. And I mean off the road, folks. And they're going to have you starving in your own homes because uh, you would have no work with their free trade. <laughs> and you, you know, and you'll be freezing in your, to death in your homes like they do in Britain. You see, they've been doing it for years now. It's normal in Britain now because you can't afford any, any clean energy. And I'm not kidding about this, folks. I'm not kidding at all. Do you realize this, at the back of all of this so-called idealism that they brainwash the helpers with, the helpers of this big agenda. It's the same mindset that created the Soviet Union. For the Soviet, if it had supposedly, through all their scientific indoctrination system, they would simply evolve. The people would evolve by getting education. They really believed they'd evolve. And eventually they'd have big open factories, open warehouses where you just went to pick up something you'd need for your home one day. You wouldn't have to pay for it, you see. And you wouldn't take more than you needed. You'd all be so perfectly robotic and happy in the utopia uh, that crime would be abolished. It wouldn't exist. You would all be evolved. Uh, But in reality, behind all this, you had these massive, massive prison camps and all over Siberia, etc. And folk were, were just disappeared all the time and slaughtered by henchmen. It's the same group behind all of that, folks, that running this whole world system. Utopias, utopias are horror shows. Always have been, always will. And when a square peg can't fit in a round hole, believe you me, they will smash it to pieces before and they'll never admit they're wrong. Never. When it, when it doesn't work, they'll never admit they're wrong. You are you're facing the greatest fanaticism this planet has ever seen on the scale that has seen anything ever before. <laughs> so anyway, I'll put these up tonight for you. And I want to continue because I see I've got quite a few things to, to push on with. Now, this ties in as well. Now, I'll put an article up. To show you the farce, the, the psych- psychological farce and mindsets of the people as, as their venom comes out of them. Venom. And this is from a, a Canadian newspaper that's globalist and the whole bit. And it says, how to explain Brexit to your children without traumatizing them. Traumatizing them? And, and I'm telling you, this is this stuff's pretty well pornographic as well. I, you wouldn't talk to your children like this. I would start. I'll, I'll, I'll put the link up and let you read it for yourselves. But it gives you an insight into the venomous people who write these articles. They're supposed to be responsible for the for the thoughts you'll have in your mind. Hmm? I'll put that there. And please look it up and see. And then again, the fear, the fear tactic goes right into it. Brexit fallout. 
Britain pulling out of, of this union, which again hasn't actually happened because, as I say, um, they're going to be so punished, like bad, bad children, bad, you shouldn't have done that, you should have voted this way, you nasty, bad children. Britain's poorer than it's ever been before for the average person down, down the bottom. It's, it's, it's awful. When, when, when the IMF calls in for, for Britain, and they've signed all in treaty in all the other countries, that t- for Britain to hand another, another 150 million uh, euros or pounds into the, the central bank there to bail somebody else, they've got to do it by law. And you wonder why they get poorer. Where does the money go? It's money heaven again, eh? That money heaven play. Who's got the keys for that, eh? Who owns heaven? Hmm. Now, it says uh, the Brexit fault will put Iraq foreign policy calamity in the shape. What, what foreign policy calamity? It's, that's the way it's supposed to have gone in Iraq. We had Kissinger say so. He said, if I have my way, I'd rather uh, that these wars across the Middle East, when they start, this is long before they started, you see. Well, not, not that long before it, because it was all planned and he knew it. And say so it was Brzezinski. He says, to be totally, totally dysfunctional, they were bombed at the Stone Age, basically. And, and dysfunctional forever With lots, lots of different rival groups fighting forever and ever Then they'll be dysfunctional Well, they got what they wanted So it's not a foreign policy calamity It was the way it was planned to be, folks and it's, Oh, it's becoming clear every day That severing alliances with Europe Will be a disastrous decision Says the Mirror columnist Kevin Maguire Why, Kevin? Why don't you and yours go off there And sort it all out in Iraq? And then there's this one here. Theresa May scrapped the aerial border surveillance for Britain, you know, despite warnings from former security minister. Theresa May cancelled an aerial surveillance program designed to stop migrants. These are illegal immigrants, used to call them, you know. Uh, it's not like fish in the sea just migrating to one one place and one part of the year, one place and one place or another, or birds for that matter, crossing the channel into Britain to save money. So she 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 stopped supposedly the program is to save money, despite warnings from a former security minister. The Telegraph can disclose. So she scrapped a four million pound surveillance contract, despite being told by Baroness Neville Jones the former security minister and chairman of the Joint Intelligence Committee, that was a risk to Britain's border security. And for years and years and years, as we made the channel and the whole thing, and the, and the tunnel, you've seen these hordes of people just flooding across Britain. And, and they're quite open about it, too, the ones, these, uh, these migrants, they're only there temporary, many of them, for operations and things like that, or to get welfare for a while. Then when it gets winter time, I'll let them go back to warmer climes. <laughs> They've got homes in different countries too. It's quite a joke, folks. And I've read some of the articles over the years. And um, it's just to destroy the people in Britain. And that was what it's all about, actually. It's been awfully successful. It's done. And then this one here. The distant Republican terror threat level raised in Britain. So right off the bat, you've got... The revival of what, you know? So, and to get the heat off herself, too, Theresa May has said the raising of the official threat linked to Northern Ireland-related terrorism, so it's back to the IRA again, reflects a continuing threat from dissident Republican activity, you see? Uh, so, so right off the bat, you know, oh, let's terrify everybody again, you see? 
says the British security service increased the level from moderate to substantial. What does that mean? Eh? Which is the third most serious category out of five and means a terrorist attack is seen as a strong possibility. I can remember when everybody was trained with yellow alerts and, and so different colours, you see, from the Star Trek series. That's how it all started. Now we've all got orange alert, orange alert, and red alert, red alert, and you see yellow alert. Yada, yada, yada. Here we go. Eh? How we're trained and the folk don't even know it for what's always to come. But that's coincidence, isn't it? <laughs> but that's what they give you for reality, folks, isn't it? That is what they give you for reality. And you think it is. You think it's all quite natural. Now, <laughs> so they kind of mix it up with international terrorism and then with Northern Ireland-related terrorism. That's what they call it, you see. And it says the public should remain vigilant and report any suspicious activity to the police. Ah. Now, for years and years and years, I'm talking about a lot, <laughs> a good chunk of my life, uh, it, we've watched, since Britain really got submerged into this European conglomerate thing, uh, and the tunnel was owned, and we saw nothing but thousands of people on some days, flooding into Britain through the channel and tunnel and so on, and through different ways, and, and vehicles, trains, you name it. And... Uh, and then they're getting caught, a lot of them, and then being allowed to stay in a way. Uh, and, and yada, yada. So the people have been fed, force-fed, this for, what, 20 odd years, maybe? And now they've been asked, who's joking here, to relate anything they see as suspicious? <laughs> what a joke. It's on mainstream news, eh? <laughs> and the government does nothing about it. Because oh. they see us. There's a plan there, you see. It says, there he is. I mean, you've got to have a sense of humor here because I'm telling you, if you didn't, if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. You really would. But it says, she added, the reality is that they command little support. This is, this is the, this is the, um, uh, the people who have to deal with this. You know, they get, don't get much support. They do not represent the views or wishes of the vast majority of people. This is the terrorists now, both Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, who decisively expressed their desire for peace in the 1998 Belfast Agreement and have been transforming Northern Ireland ever since. The Home Secretary added, however, it is sensible given their stated aims that the public in Great Britain should also remain vigilant and report any suspicious activity to the police. You don't have to. If, if it's all on television all the time, which is to wear you down to think it's all quite normal, what's it a report? There's nothing left to report, folks. You know, come on. And, and we had all the, oh, the disclosures years ago about many, at the guy at the top of the IRA at one point was an MI5 agent. Huh? That was all in the papers. Who was running what? I mean, we live in beyond, beyond Machiavellianism. Beyond that, way beyond that with all the sciences involved. Honestly. Honestly, we do. And then we go on to Italy. Ah. As soon as Britain pulls out, oh, chaos at Europe's big bangs. Italy begs for bad loans, bailout. And that international monetary fund, you know, the, the private organization that's owned by the same group who set up the integration of Europe, who drafted it up, in fact, and it was signed by the leaders, who drafted up the North American Agreement for integration as well, and NAFTA and so on, and boasted about it on television. 
Um, and, and the Far East, you see, uh, conglomerate two, the three trading blocks. Uh, they own the IMF and they own the Bank for International Settlements. They own the United Nations. They set them all up. This one organization years ago, when they're different, different name. I've gone through all in the past and go into the, in the archive section, as I say, cutting through com and make use of it. It's all in there, folks. But but the the folk who just want it handed to them would take the last breath out of me and ask me personally to reiterate it all again for them, so they can write another book. But no thank you. Do the work yourself. It's all done for you, actually, at cuttingthroughmates.com, the archive section. If you're really serious, you'll do it. And if you're not, you won't. Your mind will be distracted by some other little passing fad, and that'll be that. So anyway, the chaos at Europe's big banks. And it says the banking sector is braced for chaos, with Italian giants desperate for a bailout, and Germany's biggest lender deemed a threat to the world economy. Hmm. It says, in Italy, politicians begged the European Union for permission to bail out troubled lenders sitting on more than £300 billion worth, pounds worth is, of bad loans. It's a British paper, you see. And then they talked about uh, Portugal's already doubled down on austerity measures, as poverty measures. And it says, an international money fund said that the Germany's Deutsche Bank posed a more uh, pose more risk to the global financial system than any other lender, the Deutsche Bank. This is reminiscent of the, the, the Depression in the 1920s and 30s, because it started supposedly in one of the banks in Germany, and then spread, because they're all interrelated, these banks, you see, and often the major shareholders are owned by the same group. Concerns were already raging over Italian banks due to the huge amounts of dangerous credit on their books led to the launch of a £4 billion privately-backed rescue fund April to shore, off, shore up suffering lenders. There, yeah, I've seen a lot of suffering lenders. Have you seen them? You, know, you can always tell they're suffering. But there were fears that this might not be enough. Mm, wow. And then they never let a good crisis go to waste. And they, again, another article, Italy eyes a £40 billion bank rescue as the first British exit domino falls. All Britain's fault, you see. All spins, eh? And you expect a truth, an honest thing on any... Come on. The media, the news media, has no obligation to tell you any truth by law, folks. And I've gone through that before what happened. It went to the U.S. Supreme Court, and that's the ruling. <laughs> no media has signed anything anywhere with the customers or anybody else uh, to give them truth. It's not, they don't have to give you truth. They never have, actually, but they don't have to anyway. And then Italy's banks on deathbed <gasps> are bailings coming. Oh. Now, this is important. I'm, and I've read this before and because you see you're bombarded with con men working for big agencies and things that grab your mind and keep it wrapped in the direction it's supposed to be wrapped. And you don't even realize that a lot of this stuff you're listening to, uh, what you think it can be even sometimes alternative or scouring the internet or whatever, um, you, you don't realize that they could be, um, uh, what do you say, getting a lot of money, like there's billions of dollars and millions at least, uh, to, to always push a particular area in politics and so on. And 
certain viewpoints. I mean, always think for yourselves. I've gone through a whole bunch of stuff that came out in Canada years ago. I think it was a Toronto Star. I might be wrong, but I think it was about half page on how the CIA ran even counterculture in the U.S. from the 1960s on. At that time, they're using shortwave radio, and they used Christian uh, speakers to bombast and uh, basically, the Soviet system, which was worldwide on shortwave, you see, so they'd, they'd get all their counter-propaganda out, etc. So they were paid well, many of them, too, but they never, let's be honest, when something works, you don't give it up. Why would you give up anything? Why would the all-seeing eye miss something? I mean, all I think about it, eh? Again, you know, it's up to you. It is your choice, you understand. Everything always is. But... Back to this one. I read this years and years ago, and I put it up for you to read and so on, but most people have forgotten about it. The U.S. Army War College Quarter, really. That's what it's from, right? That was 1997. And it's called Constant Conflict, right? Before 2001 crept along, before the whole agenda that was pre-planned in the 90s, at least in the 90s, but published in the 90s, of the countries that wanted to take it across the Middle East. At this private little club, you know using U.S. military and taxpayer money to do it. But it says, uh, the U.S. Army War College Quarterly, constant conflict. There will be no peace, 1997. At any given moment for the rest of our lifetimes, there will be multiple conflicts in mutating forms around the globe. Violent conflict will dominate the headlines, but cultural and economic struggles will be steadier and ultimately more decisive. The de facto role of the U.S. armed forces will be to keep the world safe for our economy and open it to our cultural assault. Our cultural assault. Think about that. To those ends, we will do a fair amount of killing. This is the military, army, war, uh, college, quarterly. This is by intelligent agent, you see. We have entered an age of constant conflict. Information is at once our core commodity and the most destabilizing factor of our time. Until now, history has been a quest to acquire information. Today, the challenge lies in managing information. Managing it, you see. Those of us who can sort, digest, synthesize, and apply knowledge soar professionally, financially, politically, militarily, and socially. We, the winners, the winners are a minority. For the world masses devastated by information they cannot manage or effectively interpret. Life is nasty, brutish, and short-circuited, as memory will be too. The general pace of change is overwhelming, and information is both the motor and signifier of change. Those humans in every country and region who cannot understand the new world or who cannot profit from its uncertainties, interesting part, cannot profit from its uncertainties, or who cannot reconcile themselves to its dynamics, will become... Every little phrase here is actually a huge lecture that they're giving themselves in intelligence, by the way. Will become the violent enemies of their inadequate governments of the more fortunate neighbors, and ultimately of the United States. We are entering a new American century. Does that sound familiar? In which we will become still wealthier? Now think about it. A new American century. Think about the term. Now remember, too, that I gave lots of talks about the PNAC group. As they call themselves, you know, 
the project for New American Century. Private group, they eventually put their own boy in to run the U.S., eventually. But a private group who also talked about the countries they were going to take out across the Middle East, that's it again, you see, using the American military and the tax money from the, from the taxpayers to fund it all. And they did it in collaboration, too, with others as well, even outside the U.S., as you well know. But so here they, are, here they are saying that he's a military guy saying this before the military really had a clue themselves in 1997. So it was already planned to use the U.S. battering ram by this private group, you see. Now we're entering a new American century in which we will become, we will become, <laughs> the terminology is not a mistake here, still wealthier, culturally more lethal. Which culture are they talking about? and increasingly powerful. We will incite hatreds without precedent. We live in an age of multiple truths. Now there you go. He who warns of the clash of civilizations is incontestably right. You see? Simultaneously, we shall see higher levels of constructive trafficking between civilizations than ever before. The future is bright and it's also very dark. More men and women will enjoy health and prosperity than ever before. See, they don't say within the U.S., you see. Yet more will live in poverty or tumult, if only because of the ferocity of demographics. There will be more democracy. This is a term, democracy, remember? That deft, liberal form of imperialism. This is from the U.S. military, you know. (laughs) from their intelligence, and greater popular refusal of democracy. One of the defining uh, bifurcations of the future will be the conflict between information masters and information victims. Hmm. Now, for those who've been following me for a long time, they'll know of other articles, big ones, from big Organizations that use the same terminology that is not a coincidence. In the past, information empowerment was largely a matter of insider and outsider as elementary, as a division of society into the literate and illiterate. While superior information, often embodied in military technology, killed throughout history, its effects tend to be politically decisive but not personally intrusive. Once the raping and pillaging were done, technology was more apt to batter down the city gates than to change the nature of the city. The rise of modern West broke the pattern, whether speaking of the dispossessions and dislocations caused in Europe through the introduction of machine-driven production, or elsewhere by the great age of European imperialism, an explosion of disorienting information intruded even further into Brodel's structures of everyday life. Historically, ignorance was bliss. Today, ignorance is no longer possible, only error. Now, the whole idea... It's planned error, you see. And they don't say that part, but I'm just pulling it in for you to understand. <laughs> now, think very carefully as I'm speaking here for yourselves. Think for yourselves and try and remember this. Try and remember it. The contemporary expansion of available information is immeasurable, uncontainable, and destructive 
to individuals and entire cultures, unable to master it. The radical fundamentalists, now listen to this, the bomber in Jerusalem or Oklahoma City, the moral terrorist on the right, or the dictatorial, dictatorial multiculturalist on the left, are all brothers and sisters, all threatened by change. Terrified of the future and alienated by information they cannot reconcile with their lives or ambitions. So in other words, there's a group here uh, telling you what's going to happen and telling you too that, that, that this, a, a stage below the masters of the different groups, you see, are the ordinary ones who get all worked up about it and they pick sides. And regardless of their stance, whether they think they're right-wing or left-wing or, or the dictatorial multiculturalist, they're all brothers and sisters in so much. What they mean by that is that they're all threatened by change and terror of the future. But they're telling you, too, that this is planned. Well, who planned? Who, who is this guy working for, this intelligence guy in the military? Their fear is volatile. I think it was Carl Rovers said that. I broke the story years ago, and it's been parted ever since. But he talked about uh, the media, you know, the media uh, all coming to hear what the politicians were saying after a big, big meeting. He says, he says, he says, we create reality, and 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 when we we speak it. Basically, you'll follow that story and, and you'll just repeat it, and then we'll change the reality again, and you'll repeat that too. And that's just the way we'll keep being. We'll keep doing it. Uh, that's how it is, folks. You see, that's how it is, right? And this, is, and this article I'm reading is from a guy who's been taught the system on behalf of his masters too. Believe it or not, yeah. So information destroys traditional jobs and traditional cultures. It seduces. Remember, it's information, not truth or fact. It's, it's weaponized data. It betrays you. It remains invulnerable. How can you counterattack the information others have turned upon you? There's no effective option other than to uh, competitive performance. That's Bill Clinton. You know, I did not have sex with that woman as he stared at the camera. For those individuals and cultures that cannot join or compete with uh, our information empire, there is only inevitable failure of note that the Internet is to the techno-capable disaffected of what the United Nations is to marginal states. It offers the illusion. Haha, <laughs> listen internet, right? The illusion of empowerment and community. The attempt of the Iranian mullahs to secede from modernity has failed, although a turban corpse still stumbles about the neighborhood and information from the internet to rock videos will not be contained. And fundamentalism cannot control its children. Our victims volunteer. Our victims volunteer. You must volunteer. Um, I've told you before, uh, the, the con man counts on the fact that his victim is going to help and be part of his own doom. You've got to volunteer and be part of it yourself. You consent to it. These non-competitive cultures, such as of the uh, Arabo-Persian Islam, so they've already planned it, the whole wars across the Middle East beforehand, I've told you before, or the rejectionist segment of her own population are enraged. Their cultures are under assault. Their cherished values have proven dysfunctional, 
and the successful move on without them. The laid-off blue corps worker in America and the Taliban militiamen in Afghanistan are brothers in suffering. Hmm? This guy ain't worried, you see. He's in America writing about it, writing for the establishment that controls America, but he's not weeping either about the blue-collar worker you know, losing his job. What a boast this whole article is. This is just the start of it. I'm going to read more of it to you next week, and we'll see who else grabs it in the meantime. ha <laughs> ha. But anyway, uh, that's only part of where I'm going with all this stuff. My message is for you to, I've always said it, haven't I? Don't follow me. I just dish out the information that they put out at the top, which is more revealing about their plans as they boast about it than the news coverage that they're going to give you to reinforce their plan and on your mind. I've always told you to think for yourselves. Always think for yourselves. You'll be lonely, you will be lonely, and you have to learn to act once in a while. Learn where the local sports teams are, who's playing, don't need to know about anybody, even the games. Just say, how about them so-and-sos, eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're going to whip so-and-so, good, you know. And, and you'll be accepted, that's all it takes, you see. And you're going to be like Winston, stumbling through life with his deadpan expression sometimes. Because honestly, knowing the truth, knowing that never mind saying it, could be dangerous to your health. When such big stakes are there, when folk can plan the slaughter of millions of people using your tax money and your weaponry and your militaries, millions of people planning it in advance, and you think they're going to allow you to I live in a democracy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have my say. <laughs> oh, yo, yo, sad in it. Now I'm just going to tell you, I'm still battling for my own health, you know, and doing what I can at the moment. And at least I found out that certainly my immune system was racked when back in the nineties, late nineties, I had a attacker. Oh, it was a spinal problem, and then gave me big doses of um, cortisone, which stopped my immune system dead. Had it was on it for months at the time, and uh, I, that allowed this darn thing to creep in. However, it can be cleared up if I can get the meds for it. And the flu simply brought it to the surface. Anyway, from Hamish, who's still just about kicking, just about like me, just as I say, just kicking. As good nights, may your God, your gods go with you.